0: Hello, hello everyone. I am your host Kelly Blackman, and this is How to Win at Everything. And I have my wonderful guest here, Karishma Patel Buford. She is the uh, Chief People Officer at Op Loans, one of the fastest-growing fintech companies in the country. So she has uh, a lot of information to give us as far as leadership. Uh, hello, Karishma. Good to see hello. you. This
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Kelly. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play us in with my cheesy intro, and we're gonna start off with that. As soon as I can find it, there it is.
2: Have you ever wondered why you struggle to find success or fulfillment or lasting happiness? It's probably because your default wiring is set to lose. The How to Win at Everything podcast looks at real people who have struggled with the same insecurities, fears, doubts, and expectations, and found a way to succeed. Why? Their brains are rewired for success. We dive into their thought patterns to show you how to rewire your own brain to win at everything.
0: All right. All right. We are back. And again, Karishma, thank you so much for spending an hour with us this evening. Um, I want to not take up too much of your time. So I want to jump right on in with the good stuff. Uh, you guys, Karishma has, um, she has 47 degrees. Don't worry yeah. about what each one are, uh, what of these is, but she is uh, probably one of the best people I've ever met when it comes to uh, leadership uh, as far as, um, not only talking about leadership, but as far as being a leader and empowering other leaders. So she's gonna uh karisha tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you to this point as a CPO.
1: Yeah, so share a little bit about my career. Yes, uh, yes, and, and my experiences and your journey of, there. Yes, yeah. Yeah, lots of twists and, and turns. So uh you know, grew up uh, as an only child in an Indian family. And when you do that, uh, you got three pads, physician, lawyer, engineer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And clearly I broke the mold. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, went to undergrad uh, as a biomedical engineer, two years of that until I discovered I really can't do this. I can't,
0: uh, can't. my
1: heart is not in engineering. I mm-hmm. uh, decided to go down the path of psychology. Loved to understand how people thought. You know what okay. makes them sick, How do you change? Um, mm-hmm. Went down that path and ended up going to graduate school for clinical psychology. Uh, got my degree in in clinical psychology and was doing my internship and postdoc. Um, loved the, the therapy aspect in my internship. And then I was rolling into my postdoc. I started losing patients for my patients and I thought, what's going on? Uh, I started seeing um, physicians and academic mm. faculty and realized I was doing executive coaching versus mm. therapy. Um, lots of quick change, right? I was, I was working with the chief of surgery three sessions and everything was turned around. And I thought, how do I do this? How do I apply my clinical skills to, Um, this kind of fast paced change. And so entered the business world and uh, joined a global management consulting company to do executive coaching and leadership development, all things talent management, uh, multiple cities and and multiple companies and industries Mm. I consulted with um, until I joined a 100,000 person defense company Mm. Uh, based in the UK, but uh, worked out of Washington, D.C. Uh, and supported their U.S. subsidiary in terms of talent management. Uh, left there as, as the, the head of talent management for the 30,000 employee subsidiary. Um, great. And that was a global
0: yeah. position, right?
1: Yeah, it was a global yeah. position. Uh, traveled to Oman and Australia and Switzerland, hmm. uh, but I didn't have a global team. So I was looking for actually having global scope and, and a global team. So I moved from D.C. to Chicago with my family uh, and joined Groupon at, at, a, at a low point because I love challenges and turnaround situations. <laughs> um, so joined the, global, uh, joined the team there as the head of global talent development. 30 days in, I was handed inclusion and diversity uh, and my team was spread out across um, 15 countries. Cool. And uh, my last year I had global recruiting which was a great experience that got me ready for this role at Op Loans and I was ready to take my career to the next level. And uh, it was the first time that I was able to build on a strong foundation with a company that was growing versus Mm -hmm. a turnaround um, situation that I was inheriting. So that is what made it exciting. And now almost two years later, built my team from three to uh, it'll be over 20 Mm
0: -hmm. next
1: year and built all the foundation and pillars of, of HR at Op Loans. And been all right
0: now now I want to jump right into this because there are a few things you mentioned that i think are pillars of of what we're talking about when we talk about leadership so so the first thing is you 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 had the balls let's just say balls you <laughs> had the balls to say to your parents traditional Indian parents I'm guessing yes. hey um I'm going in a different direction so so to get a little bit of perspective first on you let's what 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 gave you uh, the courage to even to, to even decide to look at something different?
1: What a great question, Kelly. Courage is exactly the right word. I mean, there <laughs> were some sleepless sleepless nights. Yeah. Preparing for this conversation again, only child. Lots of pressure. Yeah. Right? Lots of yeah. <laughs> lots of expectations of multiple children rolled into one. That's right. right. That's um, right. You got to
0: do it for everyone.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I will tell you, it was a really, really difficult moment. Um, and I had to write my parents a letter.
0: Were they still in they, India? They
1: were, they were. So I was born in the States. Okay. Right? And my dad came here for college. Um, married very early. My mom was 21. He mm-hmm. was 21. 25. Right. So came to, came to the States. And so they were, I was born and raised in the U S but they happened to be in India. Um, and I didn't know how to talk to them without using words in a letter. Cause yeah. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to communicate to them that I was deviating so far from this mold and Ooh. this cultural norm. So I just wrote this letter explaining that I wasn't happy that my heart wasn't in engineering and my heart wasn't in in the path of medicine which i thought was going to be psychiatry if i did go down that path but learned mm-hmm. it's very much diagnosis medication and not the real human connection that i love mm-hmm. um, and so i wrote a letter but you know what kelly the, the hardest part about that is that i didn't have a plan <laughs> I
0: <didn't know>
1: that <laughs> oh. i needed to leave the e school and then Wait,
0: I had so to, yeah. So let me yeah. just make sure you 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 started this letter to tell them I'm stopping here, but you didn't tell them what you were doing next.
1: No, I just said I'm gonna join the College of Arts and Sciences, take <laughs> sociology, psychology, and art history and see what I fall in love with. And so I didn't have a plan at the time, so it was kind of a double whammy. Um, and so a what makes round.
0: you so so what 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 do you depend on at that point? Because obviously your heart's not in this, you're not happy what, what, what is in you that says, I have the courage, I have the whatever to, to, to not only think this change out, but then the people who give you all your expectations to tell them I'm not doing it. I'm not going through.
1: So, so look, I went to three different high schools, moved three times in high school, mm-hmm. and we had to move around quite a bit growing up, uh, because of my dad's job and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and those factors. And I'll tell you what, like, taking risks, moving outside of my comfort zone, Um, Mm. growing up, having to do that. Like imagine going to three different high schools, right? 12th grade, I made a change. 12th grade, I made a change. Your last year in high school. And it forces you. It forces you to really learn and push yourself and do the things that are hard because you're put into uncomfortable situations again and again. And I think it made me resilient and a risk taker. And I also realized that life is about, having your heart in it mm. and 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 i also look i also saw a lot of um friends in the indian community mm-hmm. who decided to go down paths based on their parents wishes yeah whether it's marriage or an arranged marriage and marrying who your parents want you to marry i broke the mold there too we'll talk about mm-hmm. that <laughs> or um, you know, going down a career path that doesn't make you happy, you know, hmm. um, and that's, and you see the, you, you see the effects of that um, later. Yeah. I'm living a life of regret. And I think it just, I, I think that those early experiences of being pushed out of my comfort zone helped to give me the, the strength to oh, do that God. early before it was too late.
0: So so early on, you're getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys want to write that down. That's going to be one of these <laughs> pillars. Um, but now you you move into you move you move into medicine, and you're doing what you think you're going to be doing is going to be psychiatry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there seems like there's another kind of crossroads here, and you have to pivot again and say. Yeah. No, not, not, not <laughs> psychiatry. I'm I'm into, so, so can, so we get, you get that you're courageous, but where does the, where does the mental wherewithal come in that says, oh wait, something's not clicking here. And this human connection is the piece mm. that, that is pulling at me. So what, what, how, let's start here. How did you, how did that first kind of come up in your brain? How did you figure hmm this human connection is what I really like? Like, how did you know?
1: I love that question. So I will tell you the moment I knew. Oh, I like it. it, And it was my fourth year at the University of Virginia. And by then, so I left the engineering school my second year. My third year, I moved into the College of Arts and Sciences, as I mentioned. And I fell in love with psychology, the academic aspect, for the reasons that I mentioned. But I needed to combine that with some experience, right? And so two experiences. One, I was working at a crisis hotline. And um, I also did an internship at the outpatient psychiatric unit there at the UVA hospital.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Sunday night, my turn to pick up the phone. Um, It was a father on the other end who had a gun in his hand Mm. and had just put his children to bed and was sharing with me how his cousin had died in a car accident the week before and he had just dropped his wife off at the hospital. Wow who had attempted to commit suicide as well. Wow. And um, we talked for a very, very long time. And I talk, and then there's, there's training, but I'm still, I'm, I'm not 21 um, yeah. <laughs> yet. <laughs> I oh wow well, yeah so I, I I rely on the train the crisis hotline training which is not you know years of extensive training but um talking to him about his thinking and his feelings and and what can what are the motivations and reasons to be uh to stay alive
2: mm-hmm, right?
1: mm-hmm. um and you know he talked about how his wife loves him but doesn't believe her right um he wow. talks about um, how his wife has said, you know, everything that we're in right now, our position is all your fault. Right. Mm. And, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of cognitive dissonance. Right. So there's a lot of conflict in like, well, you believe her when she says it's your fault, but you don't believe her when she, right. says she loves you. Right. And mm. so like, finding some disconnects in his thinking, right. And, and helping mm a different perspective because all of psychology and all of influencing and ultimately all of leadership is about helping people think differently. Um, And so hung up the phone after maybe it was 90 minutes and you never know. You Mm -hmm. don't know what happens. You never know what happens.
0: Three days later,
1: I go to my internship the hospital. Mm -hmm. And part of my role there is to do intake interviews, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I sit down with this woman who tells me, I tried to to hurt myself with the intention to to kill myself, um, and all the pain that she's experienced over the last few months. Um, and then she said, "And and my family's had a hard time. I've had t- I have two kids. Um, my husband's cousin died in a car accident." Oh wow! Yeah. So you see where this is going, right? This yeah. is the wife of the 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 man I spoke to three days earlier. And then a few days later, he comes in and he's playing with his children and his wife at the unit. And I was floored because I would have never known and he didn't do it. And that's when I knew I need to enter this path of of helping people think differently.
0: Wow, talk about being connected with the calling. (laughs) Wow.
1: That's when I knew it was my calling.
0: Wow. Boy, you almost shut down all the other questions there.
1: Uh, <laughs> I can see these questions pop up, but I can't wait to see the comments because I'm not actually seeing them. Oh, here we go. Well, comments. I got it. I got it.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, first, uh, guys, let me just mention, thank you so much for all the comments. Please keep them coming. And if we have a few minutes, we'll save a few minutes in the end and you can uh, actually uh, ask Karishma some questions. So thank you so much. And uh, we're going to keep on rolling. I
2: it. Perfect. All right.
0: So, uh, so we we see another what I would call a pillar or a foundational piece of what builds you up, and 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 this is kind of like your superhero origin story, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> because you get the you, you get this this sense of uh, something building to give you what feels like a sense of purpose, a sense of uh, direction, which mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the coaching stuff I get to do. A lot of people are lacking that. A lot of people are saying, "I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go," and all I have are these parental expectations or these outside mm-hmm. expectations. Um, and, and, and most of us don't have a story where we get to see the happy ending of, of what we've done. So, when it comes to when it comes to um, people trying to find their path, uh, particularly when it comes to most of us are entrepreneurs. Uh, we're we're trying to build something along those lines. Um, what what is it that you see or say or recommend to that person to say, hey, this is how you start your journey. This is how, you know they won't have a story where they see the happy ending. So how do they start their journey of figuring out where they should be going or or or, or how to get there?
1: Yeah. So I think it's it's about finding your passion. Right, find mm-hmm. really what is it reflecting and doing some introspection of where, when in your life do you get most excited? Mm-hmm. Think about you kind of get you have to get a little meta, right? You got to go outside yourself and really mm-hmm. sort of look at your your experiences in life and think about what really gets you passionate and excited. Yeah. What are the most high moments that you've had? in your life, in your career. It's not just about work, right? Because we're mm-hmm. we're human beings and we're not just we're not two different mm-hmm. in our work and and, and career and in home life. So thinking about and really you're not gonna find this particular answer in a book. It's gonna mm-hmm. come from mm-hmm. really looking inward and really understanding when are those moments that you feel incredibly excited, incredibly um you know meaning Meaning and purpose. I think that is really, really important, especially now in today's Mm -hmm. world. When do you find meaning and purpose and and think about those moments? And they could, some some of those moments can be completely outside of work for people. That's why Mm many people career switches, right? Mm -hmm. Because they realize when when you're thinking about entrepreneurship, you're thinking about those moments when you felt really excited about your purpose and your meaning. And so it's really Mm -hmm. asking yourself what gets you really excited what define those moments, right? Think about Mm -hmm. your life defining moments Mm -hmm. and reflect on that, reflect on that over the last year and five years, write it down, really Mm -hmm. write it down and then figure out what's in common. What what's in common about all of those moments. If you can think of three to five moments, if you were going to do a journey line, right? Mm -hmm. And the journey lines are the peaks and valleys that we all go through in life. What's common about those peaks, um, and how do you take all those peaks and 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 shape a career out of it? Hmm. is 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 the advice I would
0: give. Well, thank you, thank you. I think that's helpful. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned is writing things down. i am I am bugging people all the time to journal, to mm-hmm. journal mm-hmm. because it is such a good way to get to see it's almost like having data on yourself. You get to see yourself at different points, different times. Uh, So if you journal, you will have a much better chance of really getting to see yourself. Now, I was uh, I was on a panel earlier today. We were talking about um, the genius zone. Um, I wasn't really familiar with it, but uh, obviously it's that that place where the work you do is so much fun that it's almost like play. And and it's intersecting with that, with that, with that with that thing that makes you feel like you have purpose. So most of us are very disconnected from this, uh, again, because we grew up with all these expectations and outside things that are telling us, Hey, this is where we should be, what we should do. Um, do you have any advice for, for, let's say an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, who says, Hey, I want to know, I want to figure out what my thing is. How about how, how for, to help them get into that zone,
1: What would I recommend?
0: Yes, because I'm thinking if you get into that zone, then you actually understand what it looks like to find those little places where you get those happy points.
1: So this makes me think of, and I'm gonna pull up the, the, the exact um, book, but there's a concept in positive psychology called slow.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's the psychology of, of an optimal experience and engaging with your everyday life um, and I would recommend reading more about flow, because it's exactly what you described, right? Where you get so mm-hmm. caught up in something that there's no world around you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're like in love
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and what you're doing in the moment. So I would, I would, I would read more about flow um, and finding flow. Um, there's a book called "Finding Flow: The Psychology of Engagement with Everyday Life." Um, there's also um, a lot around positive psychology um, and creativity and the role of creativity and flow. Um, this is all also all of the, the positive psychologists out there have talked about authentic happiness. Um, and, and I think that that those to me are the foundational elements of entrepreneurship and leadership. Right. When you're really understanding what you love and and what gives you flow and what gives you happiness, that's the gateway to being a great leader. Uh, because if you don't have that, if you don't have that, I think it's hard to to give it to others in any way or coach others to get there. Right. So you have to find it within yourself. So I would recommend starting with those concepts, understanding them. There's I mean, you'd probably find a hundred books if you went on Amazon on on this topic. Um, okay. Well, one, wait, let me recommend one other. Okay. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell is one of my favorite authors and mm-hmm. the book, um, both Malcolm Gladwell and Dan Pink. So, Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his book Outliers about mastery and how you achieve mastery. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great topic, as Dan Pink talks about motivation and intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation um, and where you want to achieve mastery and in, in autonomy. So, I think those are other ways to explore. What um, drives you? What do you want to gain mastery in? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get there? I think those are all, th- those are staples in the world mm-hmm. of leadership. And so those are those are other places to, to go and seek to understand how to define that path for you.
0: So for you guys who are taking note, uh, we've now gone through a couple of different foundational pieces. And now we're upon self-awareness. You have to become aware of yourself before you can yeah. really... Push out any real idea because uh, you're relying on luck or chance or something that really may not get you to where you're going. Now we're reflecting back to your story, Karishma. you yeah. you're you're, you're um, so so you find this thing, you find like, oh wow, I'm I'm connected to this thing, to this psychology. I like this people connection. Where where do you go next after that?
1: Um, so then I go to graduate school right that was an undergrad mm-hmm. i go to graduate school into clinical psychology right so mm-hmm. i applied to um uh, grad school to get my doctorate in clinical psychology because i'm thinking i'm going to be a clinician mm-hmm. I'm be patients be a therapist um and then that's when my during my internship and then at my postdoc mm-hmm. that's when that impatience thing like i'm a driver right yeah so, Ask me what my what my team says about me. Like I think the first thing is driver, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I like results, and I like to make impact. And the reality is, therapy can be years. Yeah, in the making, of course, right? And so yeah. that impatience got to me <laughs> until I saw I started working with again academic faculty and physicians, where in a few because of the cognitive resources, right, the personality resources that are available to them action and change was so quick. And I thought, mm-hmm. how do I do this? And how do I do it in a faster paced setting? And so that's when I actually started, I went to a conference. Um, I walked out of that conference with a husband and a job. So I like, <laughs> the efficient. Wow. One, of my, one of my key strengths is efficiency. Mm-hmm. But, like, knock those There you
0: things. go. <laughs> Two in one
1: exactly it was only a 48 hour conference so um <laughs> so I, I switched careers i went from clinical okay. psychology to what they call io psychology industrial right. organizational psychology right mm-hmm. which is the study of um individuals and individuals and in organization and mm-hmm. leadership um and so this consulting firm now corn ferry um basically what you do is you study leaders like you mm-hmm. i I did hundreds and hundreds of leadership assessments to understand what are the what are the best leaders have in common, um, and then assess them and help companies decide whether they should hire these leaders or not based on our very in-depth, comprehensive assessment, right? Um, and so that's that's what I did: leadership development, leadership strategy for four years.
0: Okay, so now uh, I, I'm sure everyone's going to be in this same place you work for corn fairy, you're doing leadership assessments, you find the things that make people successful <laughs> at leadership. We'll, we'll, go ahead and list them.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> the way what I learned, um, is there really four buckets and I'm adding a fifth bucket because of my years of experience, but four buckets around types of leadership and, and those buckets and, and domains are thought leadership, results leadership, people, personal leadership, and and what I'm adding is change leadership, which I think is Mm. more critical than ever, and it's an amalgamation of those first four domains. Thought leadership is being strategic and innovative and and creative and results leadership, getting things done through others and delegation and execution. Um, People leadership, as you would expect, right, is inspiration, collaboration, and and coaching. And personal leadership is about the EQ elements, resilience, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, being able to take feedback and grit. Um, And then change leadership, as you can imagine, are pieces of all of those things combined. I mean, a lot more on the EQ and gaining buy-in and and influencing and winning minds and winning hearts. Um, and, And I think that's what change is, right? It's not just Like it's not just about all the data. It's about winning hearts because it's the difference between short term compliance and long term commitment. That's right. right. Um, So those are the five domains. Now, if you ask me to prioritize further, I I certainly would.
0: Uh, but those I, are <laughs> I, uh, well, well, look. I, I don't know if you saw Colleen's uh, comments, comment. I just get to the point. What are the main leadership traits? Yep. Like we, like we, Colleen is go. obviously a results leader here. She, yes. She, yes. She results. So, you. so yeah, please tell us. So,
1: those, so look, those I, I wouldn't want to undervalue that those five together are what really define the best leaders, right? So, the mm-hmm. the best leaders are going to have you can't be strong okay. at everything. But right. you're going to have strong, you're going to have some real strengths in three to five, if not four to five of those domains. Mm-hmm. If we were to drill down on change leadership, I would, And in today's environment, um, I heard a colleague a few weeks ago that I was connecting would say that, say that the 2008 financial um,
2: mm-hmm. crisis
1: was, yeah, yeah was, a, was a financial, much more of a financial exercise and experience. And then 2020 is a people crisis. Right. A big between a global pandemic and mental health um, at an all-time high in terms of, of um, challenges and, and racial injustice and mm-hmm. the political mm-hmm. divisiveness, right? And, and social
2: mm-hmm.
1: fill in the blank. Right. And so so it's people, right? And we're not we're like I said before, like we're human beings that enter the workplace. We're not, we don't shut down or shut off.
0: Yeah, we become but machines, right?
1: Exactly. And so if, if you were to ask me what are the most important traits today, I would say vulnerability, inspiration, resilience, and grit. Um, and, and a lot of that is about change and personal leadership.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's not just about uh, IQ.
0: Let me ask you this. What, what, how much of this is something that is innate in us and how much of this can we learn?
1: Whew, um, <laughs> based on my, my assessments, I think there is on the thought leadership, there is some innate ability. Your mm-hmm. ability to think critically and strategic thinking, connect those dots, sort of what we call in the psych world, inductive and deductive reasons. Some of those things are pretty um, pretty innate, right? So they're harder to develop. Mm -hmm. Um, can only get incremental impact. So that's in the thought leadership bucket. I think the EQ pieces can be developed for sure, but it takes a lot of self-awareness, a lot of motivation, a lot of energy. Um, And most leaders may not have all of the above. Most leaders Mm -hmm. may not have all of the above because you need a lot of that together to change. These are hard habits, right? You're, You're basically undoing habits. Um, and you have to, to learn habits. You also have to undo, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn and unlearn and relearn. And so um, it is it is absolutely because otherwise there wouldn't be executive coaches. I probably mm. wouldn't have the role I have. <laughs> um, right. But but it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of energy and not everyone can do it because it takes an in, in sort of insurmountable mm-hmm. amount of self-awareness and vulnerability and it yeah. gets in the way. You know, Freud wasn't kidding. The ego can get in
0: the way. See, now I'm curious about that because um, when when I hear your story, and and, and not just your story, but multiple stories, when you start talking about heading on this path, there is a sensibility about you that says, I am willing to pivot and to change gears. And a lot of times, Mm -hmm. I would say for me, my ego has gotten in the way and said, no, Mm -hmm. I'm good at this. And, and I'm gonna win. So, and this is how I'm measuring success. So I get really narrow, tunnel vision, and I go after a thing. How 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 much is it possible for you to learn to drop your ego, to be vulnerable, to be uh, open enough with yourself, and and to be aware? Like how how easy or how hard is it to gain those skills so that you can actually put yourself in a place to choose?
1: Yeah, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. depends on the person, on how hard it's going to be. Um, the, the, you know, the, the ego is protective. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's this function that the ego serves is to protect you from falling apart. Mm. And, and um, when your ego is bruised, it really hurts. And sometimes people have really strong defenses to protect themselves against hurt. That's yeah. what it is. Um, and it. it You know, like I said before, it takes a vulnerability to say to yourself, you know, what's the risk if I keep going down this path? Right. Take some self-awareness to step outside of yourself and say, okay, I heard this this pretty harsh feedback from somebody. I don't believe it. I don't buy it at all. It's them. It's not me. Right. Uh, (laughs) And if you stop and ask yourself, what's the risk of not listening to this feedback? And really mm-hmm. honestly ask yourself that question and think mm. what could happen if I ignore this feedback. It forces you to look in the mirror, right? And raise the mirror. And hopefully you have people in your lives who do that. That's the that's really lucky. Like my husband's a psychologist too. <laughs> so it worked out perfectly because he raises the <laughs> mirror on me every day. Right. <laughs> um sure. and I need that. I might not yeah. always like it. Yeah, and, I know yeah. I like it. and I won't always, I'll tell you, I mean, he'll be the first one to tell you that when you first do it, I'm not, I'm not, you know, office hours are closed. My feedback is open tomorrow at 9 a.m. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right. you people in your life to raise the mirror on you, right? And, and really ask you, the what is the risk of ignoring this feedback? What is the risk of letting the ego get in the way? Um, and it takes a certain amount of resilience, emotional mm-hmm. resilience and, and ego strength to be able to do that.
0: So, okay, so this, this kind of brings me into a new place because we, we talked about your your courage to to get into these places of being able and willing to pivot and to see things that uh maybe our egos would stop us from seeing. But yeah. but the flip side of that is fear. So yeah. all of this is based on this idea of not being hurt or not uh or, or or the fear of not. Uh, living up to someone else's expectations and that sort of thing. So if uh, fear is obviously good for what it's good for, but when it's bad, it's, it, it's, it's, really bad. So when, when, when you're talking to someone who's dealing with that kind of fear or just you for yourself, when that immediate wall comes up that says, Nope, not listen to that. How, how do you, how do you, how do you recognize that? How do you recognize that that's where you are? Because yeah. I gotta admit, uh, a lot of times if I'm feeling that, I'm not even talking to somebody else about it enough to let them know to hold the mirror up to me.
1: So let me ask you this: I'm going to turn it around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you know when you're scared? What happens? What are your What are the things that give you a clue into the fact that you're feeling scared?
0: Well, I mean, obviously, I never get that, so that's obviously not a thing for me. I'm never scared. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, you
0: better write a book on that, Kelly. <laughs>
1: right. There's your million
0: dollar idea. Look, I'll, I'll tell you, the first guy that's not scared is going to be the guy who gets eaten by the alligator because <laughs> you were not paying attention from the last guy. Um, right. The uh, So for me in particular, I happen to have a lot of super judgmental people in my life. So my wife's always like, no, Kelly, you screwed that up. And what I've come to learn, we've been married 18 years. What I've come to learn is that uh, well I can write some of it off as oh she's wrong, she's wrong sometimes she's just not wrong and after enough time of paying attention to the time she's not wrong, it really does just speak to me like oh well, the reality is that when she's when she's angry she may say this or that and that may not be something I have to take take directly as uh, as truth, but some of these times she's just right she's just she's just right so. Uh, my wife, my son, I have a congregation full of people who are going to say, well, based on these Bible learnings and this sort of thing, you should look at it. So I have a lot of people in my my world that keep telling me, look, look back at myself. Yeah. Now, before I gained all of these people, I would say, I, I have no idea. I was just so strong-willed and so mm-hmm. hard-headed that I probably <laughs> ran into a wall a bunch of times because right. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. If I was afraid, I was angry and defensive and everything.
1: Well, see that there you go. So like you you have some insight now around how fear played out for you, right? And and mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. who feel fear may turn it inward and it's sadness or turn it outward and it's anger. Right. Mm. And so remember it's an emotion. So you got emotion and you got the, the intellectual and the logic. And so recognizing that fear is an emotion and you think about fight or flight, it's a biological yeah. response, right? What happens if there's a tiger or a bear in front of you? Fight or flight kicks in and you have a <clears throat> physiological experience, right? You start heart palpitations, you get really nervous, sweaty, whatever that is. Like there's something that's happening physiologically because that's how mm. the brain and emotional connection work. So figuring out what is your emotional and physiological to, um, sort of outcome of fear is a, is under is a form of self awareness. It's an emotion mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it might happen in the amygdala, but you experience it right. You mm-hmm. it just like when you're happy or when you're sad. These and so getting really in touch with that part of that is mindfulness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Part of that is mindfulness, right? It's really important mm-hmm. to be aware because then when you know. Once you know, like, you know what? I'm really scared in the moment. You Hmm. can actually think about what is causing that for me? Like, what am I really afraid of in this moment? What am I worried is going to happen, right? Peeling back the layers. What's going to worry? And if that happens, then what? Worst case scenario, the five whys, right? Then what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You really start thinking. Then you can get intellectual because you've identified the emotional experience that's happening. And then you can seek to understand what's going on by peeling back some of those layers and really understanding what's happening. Well, you know what, at the end, I feel like I'm gonna get really, I'm gonna get rejected and feel like I failed. Then mm-hmm. what? If you fail, then what? Mm-hmm. In right? the worst case scenario is rarely what happens. Nearly
0: as bad, yeah. Or
1: nearly as bad as you think you will be. It's yeah. the anticipatory anxiety, right? It's the anticipatory anxiety and fear is a form of anxiety.
0: Uh, let me ask you then, um, the, th- so we're again back to the self-awareness uh from what you're talking about paying attention to uh your 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 physiology paying attention to yourself and and having that 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 data that feedback that kind of gives you uh it kind of gives you this information uh this sounds a lot like another endorsement for journaling right because if you if you go at the end of your day and you say oh my day was crap because I felt like this this and that and you look at it a month from now after you've done it multiple times and you see that pattern th- this is this is what the journaling does right
1: yeah yeah it can do it can be very cathartic journaling right and looking back. Um, it can, it can really drive gratitude. So there's a lot of data to suggest that if every day you wrote down three things that were grateful, that you're grateful for, it could be as small as somebody opening a door for you or as, as big as, as somebody, you know, you know, taking care of your kids or buying you a car and, and whatever that is, but that there's a lot of research that says if for 30 days you keep a gratitude journal, it actually makes a sizable impact on your happiness. And so, there's something really powerful about journaling, whether it's for mindfulness or for gratitude or for catharsis. Uh, but it's it's a it's a great great thing to do. It takes it's creating a habit, so that's that takes some time and and energy and focus too.
0: Awesome! Thank you so much for that. You guys got another endorsement here for journaling. So there you go. Uh, it's, it's not just for teenage girls. Let let's 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 lose some of the stereotypes about uh, journaling. Everyone should be doing this. All right. Um, so let's move a little bit further on in your story. So uh you're you're in a place now where you realize that this is what you're into, you know that this is what you love. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. what what makes you say, hey, um, I'm working on this and and I'm but I needed a global team? I need <laughs> like what 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 draws you to that? Because that obviously comes with a whole other set of challenges of, of different cultures and And bias and all of that still. So what got you there?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, what actually literally got me (laughs) to open the door for for Chicago is my husband. So my parents were in Virginia. Only child, right? So it was about going back and and being close to them when we started our family. And then probably four years in, my husband's like, all right, when are we going to be closer to my family who lives in Kansas (laughs) City? Well, I'm not going to move to Kansas City, but let's look at Chicago. Really Mm -hmm. close. And, and, and great city, and so um, looked at opportunities. And Groupon stood out stood out for me because you know fastest growing company at its time of yeah. all time. That was very that was that was you know five years after I had joined. But it was a cool like Groupon was. There was a darling, um, you know, it was a darling in Chicago, and I loved the fact that the stock was the lowest it's ever been because I love challenges and I love learning from from difficult moments and difficult roles it was a broken global team nobody trusted each other i had my team right. spread out between Sing- singapore and switzerland and brazil and the us and i love that that was a great challenge and i love global um i like that yeah and it was all, and I had already had a wealth of global experiences in my previous company, traveled the globe, had been to twenty five countries in that two or three year period. Mm-hmm. And, um, now having global scope because I actually there is differences, right? There are differences across culture in terms of values and norms and like learning to adapt how you connect and collaborate with with those in the UK versus Australia versus Oman, right, versus the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Versus Mm -hmm. the U.S. I mean, that was that. I'm fascinated by that. I'm fascinated Mm -hmm. by that. The idea of of learning who people are individually and then cultural aspects that are that are layered on top of that. So to me, it was just it was it was amazing.
0: Now I think that this is another one of those pieces where uh, I want to drill drill down on this a little bit because what you're saying sounds like a worse nightmare to a lot of people. (laughs) It's like, oh, so I have to be the head of a people team and, or or I'm recruiting or, or there's all of this dysfunction and there's all of these different cultures and that right there sounds like a nightmare. But so, so you're obviously attracted to, to being uncomfortable.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
0: or at the very least, you're very accepting of being uncomfortable because I got to figure that Groupon is kind of in crisis mode. If the stock is at the lowest point, it's been. And they're saying, hey, we need you to come in and be a part of turning this around.
2: Right.
0: What? (laughs) First off, for you personally, why? Why does that thrill you? Why is that a happy place for you?
1: I just I think, Kelly, like I just really thrive on challenges. Like, Mm. I just love taking, I I mean, it's so funny. Like, it's so, it comes so naturally. So now you're- Right, right.
0: Right. It feels like normal.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's forcing me to think about, like, my husband also, like, kind of makes fun of me because he's like, okay, what's next? Like, in the sense of your next challenge, and you're not not in terms of next career, but next, like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, you're just- You're you're just ready for the next thing. Like you're not satiated. Right. In terms of challenges and impact. And like if I at (laughs) any point feel like I'm not making a difference. Right. Or I can't make a significant difference. Like that's my engagement. I need to be in a place and an environment where I can make big changes and big impact. And so it's a, it's a lot easier when you don't have to grow and build something from the ground up or you don't have to fix something that's broken. It's a, it is a lot easier, right? You think about uh-huh. entrepreneurship. I mean, you're building from the ground up. It's like one of the hardest things you could possibly do. Uh-huh. And so um, I, some people thrive on security. I thrive on variety uh-huh. um, and thrive on, 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 on really taking really tough challenges, navigating them and seeing the success on the other side.
0: Um, so let me ask you this then, is it, is it, is it the variety that's fun or is, or is it the variety that's more more fun or is it the winning at the end?
1: Ooh. That's a great question to reflect on. I yeah. love winning, but you know, the, so I learned that the true definition of competition is that you, when you're really driven by competition, that you need to see others lose in order to feel like you win. That's mm-hmm. the true, like sort of clinical definition of it. That, I don't mm-hmm. feel that way. I right. feel like you can win when you think about zero sum game, like you can win, others can win too.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't have
1: to be the only one, even in the same game, right? And so mm-hmm. I love winning in the sense of, um, you know, uh, it, We don't have to be the only one that's best, but we are the best, right? We like so so the idea of being the best at some of the things that you decide are your core competencies, your core strengths, and and the thing and you can't and can't be everything. Okay, that's why that's why so many companies try to do everything and try to make so many things their core competency, and you have to get focus, right? As an entrepreneur too, don't try to do too much. Really focus on your niche. Focus mm. on what makes you special, what differentiates you, what's going to give you a competitive advantage. Um, and sometimes I think I've seen entrepreneurs or leaders or companies fail because they are trying to be the best at everything. But really realizing where can I win and where can I win? In some ways, be the best or be among the best. Um, I, I love that. But it, it does come with prioritizing and having focus. Mm. It can't be all of the above can't
0: be all I do about okay i I think it, I, I, I hadn't planned on that question I just thought that was interesting because it's such a um it's it's you know is like the typical thing is that we run from pain we run toward pleasure that sort of thing and to see that this is something that so many people equate to pain and the fact that you are so like dr- <laughs> I mean like your face lit up you're just like super happy about it I just I just think that's <laughs> something to Go into. I'm going to ask you more about this one later. Yeah. Um, let me start here. Uh, DJ jumped in with the question about security versus variety. Hmm. So please explain more, uh, DJ. Let me ask you: Are you? Can you? Can you be a little bit more specific? What you're asking about, or you just want her to define the difference in the terms? So I guess we'll go on while we wait for DJ to close yeah. in.
1: And I can add shed some light, right? We all have different values and things that we're driven by, right? Mm -hmm. And some people are driven by security and stability. And I have friends who've been at the same company for 10 or 15 years. The most I've ever been at one company or done the same thing is four years, right? And it doesn't mean that's kind of, that's my term limit. It just means like I am ready for the next challenge, Around that time, that's what my, my, that's what my past would predict, that I'd be sure. ready for the next challenge. And so variety to me is more like, and, and variety is part of it, but it doesn't actually cap, capture the entire value. It doesn't,
0: yeah. Um,
1: and because it's also, it's the variety plus challenge plus impact
0: okay okay i was gonna
1: when you're with a company for 10 or 15 years that impact just like it decreases because you've done all that front end right like mostly in your career as a career you do you make the most impact at the beginning Mm -hmm.
2: right
1: then it's like more of that upside down funnel so um that's what i meant when i talked about security and and sort of variety hopefully that helps
0: right dj if if you have any more questions about, oh i'm sorry she says uh go deeper on your meaning okay Okay. So, so actually, I think this is good because I also wanted to go a little bit deeper on this too. Um, yeah. When you, when you mention impact, and I know for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're, they're, they're taught, uh, find a place where you can make the impact and that's what should be, what you go after. Now, obviously I think that that's maybe not the best idea because you have to have a, a passion for it too. And it should be something that you feel important, uh, feel is important, but right. for you. Uh, when you start talking about that variety, uh, can you talk a little bit more about? Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about what drives you to want that variety, or what drives you to want those challenges?
1: I, I I'm not sure there's anything more I could add to. People are driven by different things, right? People have different okay. motivators and different values, and and values are based on some innate temperament plus nature and nurture and then the combination of everything you get. And that's how you shape your values and your worldview. Right. And Mm -hmm. we're all, we're all different. We're all driven by different things. And that's just like, that is my value. And I think that the lesson there is do, do, you know, live a life that aligns with your values part of so, yeah. the career you choose right and, and mm-hmm. people who have been in careers that doesn't allow with that would align with their values like me when i was an engineer a yeah. little bit of that and not a lot but a little bit of that when i was doing therapy right it didn't it didn't capture all my val- my values around speed and results mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i got frustrated right i was like no, get out of that relationship. It's abusive. Like right. that's not how it works, right? Yeah. If you could tell somebody to do that, and it, then you'd be done. But no, two years <laughs> later, you're still in that relationship. Yes. So, yes. so just find find meaning in your life in every domain. Right, and that and the meaning comes from really understanding what is important to you and what your values are, and it's different for everyone. It's different, but there is something like you don't know, people don't change their values too often unless they have a traumatic experience okay. or a major life event.
0: So okay, I, I was gonna well, so first off, I just want to make make a point really quickly uh, that this goes back to the idea of being self aware, and yeah. and you guys you can always use some of the. Uh, uh, tools that Krishna spoke about earlier about figuring out and finding out which things that you have or that you do that are are those high points for you. So yeah. that'll help yep. you to really kind of figure out what 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 it is for you and what it takes for you. Uh, I do want to uh, make mention of the fact though that um, uh, well, I wanted to ask the question about uh, about values. So you say they don't change much over time, but uh, there has to be some portion of it that that uh, allows us to differentiate. Uh, I got a kid now, I have a wife now. I obviously want more security than I did when yeah. I was 18. So yeah. how, how do we how do we take that into consideration when we're tar- when, we, when we're trying to plan out or map out who I am now and what I want to do or be as a leader for the future?
1: Yeah, so I would think marriage and having a child are major life events, right?
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so those, those count as major life events. That if you had done a values exercise, right, and you mm-hmm. can Google, you know, personal values, and you'll get a bunch of, um, bunch of hits around. Here's a list of fifty values. Pick the five that are most important to you. Like the, there's there's a ton out there on that. And if you had done that exercise, Kelly, before you got married, right you had a child it would probably look different maybe three of those would be the same and two would be different totally mm-hmm. makes sense right so that's why it's not after about 18 your personality is pretty defined
2: sure
1: um and so there are going to be some core values that like you're not that you're not going to just go away because of major life events they are going to stay with you and some will evolve um and so it's not a once in a lifetime exercise it's an exercise that that probably evolves with key job changes key life events Um, you know, if I did the same thing, it would be before kids and and after kids, there would be be certain difference, but there would be definitely things like risk that would stay in, that would stay in common that obviously haven't changed, right? After I've I've become a mother. So, um, I think that's, that's how you, and it's about maintaining that self-awareness, right? And taking. So, uh,
0: one or two more things I want to get to. We're almost up on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes so so fast. Uh, yes, totally. Yeah, uh, I, I wanna I wanna get um, this show is called How to Win at Everything, and yeah. one of the key pieces of this is that we all define winning so differently, or or we can mm-hmm. define winning so much differently than than one another. How do you define winning, how, or how should we use? Uh, winning. How can we define it so that everyone understands how to kind of justify it and make it their own?
1: I think the thing that comes up for me is 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 being the best at something. Hmm. Really, being the best because that's a form of impact. And I think everything else will. Like, if you if you focus on mastering something mm-hmm. and being the best or one of the best, to me, the rest comes. It always has in my career. Okay. Has okay. in my career, so I think that that's what it's not just about dollars, and that's important. That's in a one way to measure success, right? Right. Uh, but being the best, and so that whether it's a coach, right, as an executive coach, um, really helping people change tough behaviors and and change mindsets, mm-hmm. or as a leader helping helping a a team you know achieve extraordinary results that they wouldn't have been able to do without you right mm. or a company understanding what their core competence is and doubling down on that to be, the be- to be better than anyone else
2: hmm. i think
1: those are the ways i think about winning and it's subjective and it's situational and it's contextual yeah. <laughs> um but it's not it's not just a dollar thing right it's not just it's sometimes yeah. it's not you can measure sometimes winning is is the intangible and what you can't measure. Um, and and like winning, I felt like I won in that moment when I saw the man I talked to who had a gun in his hand come in and 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 spend time with his family and know that he was still alive. And yeah. that he that felt like a winning moment to me. And I can't measure it in terms I, of right.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, I want to get just another thing or two in. So when um when we talk about leadership, well, well, let me start here. Can you give me a definition of leadership and, and and give me a definition so that we can separate leadership from maybe management or managing people?
1: Yeah. So I think of managing as managing process and projects and tasks. And I think of leadership as as people, right? I think mm-hmm. of what I said earlier as winning minds and winning hearts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and all the domains that I talked about are a culmination of those leadership skills. Winning minds through really good influencing, knowing what to say when and when to bring in um, data, and when to when to adapt and and have show more supportive style, right? And empathy and vulnerability and, and connection, and so winning minds and winning hearts. Like people can respect you as a leader because you're super super smart and have great IQ. But if you don't have the EQ side of that, mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. that combination of IQ and EQ that's really a critical combination in the right balance that differentiates managers from leaders.
0: Thank you. That um, Powerful. I'll say that's very powerful stuff. Um, last thing I want to put to you, and this is going to be our abstract question, and I like to get this from almost all my guests. Um, at the end of your life, how do you know if you won?
1: Oh my goodness. I can't imagine not winning. I'm already winning. (laughs) I just, I can't like, I have one. I have one because I've taken chances and I'm so blessed. And, and I, um, I mean, I have a winning life. I just, I can't, I really can't imagine otherwise. Um, and no matter what happens from here on out, you have so much control over how you see your life right and how you interpret it and what you can't control your emotions but you can control what you do with them and mm-hmm. i think my the, the the finding and bringing the right people in my life is just as much about sort of the fate and, and what's not in your control as what is in my control um and control what you can and let go of what you can't right mm-hmm. that's an important part of, of resilience and, and grit and, and mindset so um and it's not, look, look, I can't give you metrics, Kelly. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: you yeah, metrics. You've done three I'm of a these. Really and... that, <laughs> that i have
1: strong gut feeling that I really have, have a winning life and I'm, I'm really fortunate. I'm really.
0: Fortunate. I Let me just say, uh, I, I do think that it's a very interesting thing that you say that because most people want to ask them about that question. Uh, people say, uh, I feel like I've won if I have impacted other people. And I always think that's such an odd thing because what if you don't know that? You, like, what if you impacted a billion people, but you just don't know? Like, they, no one ever came. Like, did your life suck? Were you not happy with it? So I always think that it's such an odd thing to have an an outside thing kind of be the the rate rating of how you how your life was. So I think mm-hmm. it is really very interesting and, and very rare that you find somebody who's saying one, I have one, and two, the reason that I've won is because. The way I'm living it, so I th- I think that is beautiful.
1: Thank All you. All right, and you hear my kids screaming, ready for me to put them to bed.
0: Yes. Yeah, so it's so. <laughs>
1: another example of women right there. there <laughs> you like, want me to put them
0: to bed? It sounds like they win. <laughs> like they yeah. win. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Carisha, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, this is this has been really great obviously you know i love it. i admire you i think i think so highly of you and to me the fact that when you are able to put all of this you put a little bit of time away to uh come on and 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 give us a little bit of your knowledge your wisdom uh is the best thing in the world to me
1: oh kelly thank you so much it was an honor i really appreciate it and i I loved sharing my story i hope it was helpful for for others as well
0: (laughs) Definitely. And to all the people who showed up tonight, I want to thank all of you for, for your comments. Uh, I want to you thank know. you so much for your participation. It was some great stuff. Kenny, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. I am very suave, I guess. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Love it, uh, uh, Karishma, hold on for me one sec. I'm going to see okay. you backstage, and I'm going to play us okay. out with my nice cheesy outro.
2: Perfect. Ta